0: have that he
1: Good morning, Southview. We're so glad you're worshiping with us today. Here are our three big announcements for the week. Our Equipa classes will start back up on September the 13th. These classes are designed to help the believer grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll have more information about this forthcoming soon. Our Face to Faith ministry is a local missions ministry here at Southview Baptist Church. The purpose of this ministry is to go downtown and minister to our area homeless community. They do this both physically and more importantly, spiritually. They need some help. They need someone to help pull the trailer to and from the location on Friday evenings. If you can help out or would like more information about this ministry, please call our church office at 910-424-1298. Did you know there are 4,500 Southern Baptist churches in North Carolina? Recently, Southview has been recognized as one of the top missions giving churches. And thanks to your generosity and God's blessings, this allows people to go on the mission fields and take the message of salvation and love of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We encourage everyone to download the Southview Baptist Church app from Google Play or iTunes. This will allow you to view other announcements It will also allow you to find a journey group, view previous sermons, and download the sermon notes for today's message. There are also multiple ways to give here at Southview. You can either do it through the Southview Baptist Church app, which is safe and secure, or you may make your gifts to the giving boxes located at the base of the stairwells on either side of the front of the sanctuary. If you're a guest worshiping with us today, we're very glad to have you here. We would like to connect with you and get to know you a little better. The easiest way to do that is text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. That way we can pray for you or minister to you and your family in whichever way you may need. And again, thank you for choosing to worship with us here at Southview today. Now, let's go into the worship service with praise and music and a message from our pastor.
2: Amen. Well, good morning, church. How are you? Uh, Yes, we are excited because Christ is alive. I want to encourage you to stand. Let me pray with us. Let me pray over our gathering together. God, we thank you for these truths. We thank you that Christ is king. That not only have you come, not only have you made a way back to your father by your sinless life, you call us to simply believe. And so, Lord, as we praise you through song and through prayer, I pray that your name is magnified, that hearts are turned closer to you today as we raise a hallelujah to the risen Savior, the risen King, in his name. Amen. Let's sing.
0: He has said that he will
3: Well, good morning, church. I am uh, not Pastor Brad. <laughs> My name is Ryan. I'm the student pastor here at Southview. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited to be here with you all this morning. And if you don't like it, don't worry. Brad will be back next week. They don't let me out the dugout too often. So we're, we're going to roll with the B team today. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, I would encourage you guys to, uh, to pray for Pastor Brad and his family while they're out. Uh, just pray God gives them times of refreshing and encouragement and, uh, and just comes back here recharged. I also want to direct your prayers towards our Kenya mission team as uh, they're coming back this week. Y'all be praying for them. And then we also have a mission team heading out from our our students. We have about uh, 15 students and parents heading out Saturday to go to Puerto Rico. So we would appreciate your prayer for that as well. Um, but I want to pray for us right now this morning. God, I gotta thank you for a chance now just to open your word. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are willing to obey. God, I pray uh, where I hold true to your word, would you allow it to resonate within our hearts, and God, where I err, would you cast it from remembrance, but Lord, I pray that most of all, you would be lifted high and exalted. God, would we glorify your name this morning, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, if y'all have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and uh, open with me to the book of Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21, and and as you're turning there, I wonder, would anyone be so bold this morning, so willing as to admit that they've got a hearing problem? Anybody? Okay. All right, a couple of us. Um, uh, Wives, ladies in the room, um, wives, would any of y'all like to say that your husband has a hearing problem? Anybody? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So um so my wife says that I have something she calls selective hearing. Anybody else got that problem? So um so and and, and I don't think it's fair. Um I I don't think I have selective hearing. I I just think I'm bad at hearing. All right? And it's it's my fault mostly. Um you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Anyone like podcasts, you know, if you're over 50, they're like cassette tapes on the internet. Um, students, you guys, later on, the students, they, they can, um, you can Google that if you don't know what those are. But um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and, and so a lot of the time I've got my Bluetooth earbuds in. And if you're a parent with teenagers here this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're like, hey, Johnny, did you take the trash out? And he's like, huh, huh, what? You know, they can't hear anything. And so, and so normally, normally what I do is I'll, I'll leave one earbud in, and the other one out, right? So I can listen, but I can still hear. Um, but I really can't. <laughs> well, what I mean is I can hear you speaking, I'm aware that you're talking, but what you're actually saying, well, it's a guessing game, you know? And you don't want people to know that you didn't hear what they said. So sometimes you just, you just act like you did, right? Confidence is key. Some, sometimes you get it right. Sometimes she's like, why are you giving me a diaper? I asked for my coffee. You know, it's, it's, it's 50-50. It's, you know, it's not so bad. But, but I don't have a hearing problem. I'm just bad at hearing. Now, my dad, dad's got a hearing problem. and I love my dad. We actually, we just were over there at their house this weekend. My parents, they live in Durham. That's where I grew up. Um, now, my dad, he, he just turned 70 this past April. Um, yep, so he, he just turned 70, um, but a couple years back, he decided it was time for him to get some hearing aids because, you know, he was having trouble hearing. <laughs> and it, it, it's not surprising. I mean, dad grew up in the 50s and 60s. Everything was loud back then, probably because guys coming back from the war couldn't hear anything. But you got cars rolling around with no mufflers. You got, you got, you ask a guy if they got earmuffs. He's like, huh, what? You know, I already ate breakfast. You keep your muffins, man. You know, like. Like, they had those big boom boxes, people walking around blasting right in your ear, right like so it's It's no surprise that Dad can't hear really well, and so Dad gets hearing aids, and when he gets them, I mean he gets like the top of the line, you know, like he couldn't get a Ferrari, so he gets the Ferrari of hearing aids and 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 they've actually i mean they've been wonderful like right? they've they've been good, and he can really hear a lot better, but sometimes especially when there's a lot of noise in the background or there's lots of voices happening around him, it's still hard for him to hear you. And when that happens, he'll default back to that previous method, acting like he understood what you said, acting like he heard you, but he really didn't. And I think that if we're honest this morning, most of us can interact with God like that. Um, we, we, we treat God like he's got a hearing problem, and we're like, God, I know you're busy running the whole universe thing, right? I know you've got like 10 billion people trying to talk to you, but if you get a second, God, I, I know you're busy, but if, if you can spare the time, I need to talk to you about something. And if we're honest, we can get to thinking that God is listening, but he's not really listening. We start to think maybe God's aware that we're talking, but he doesn't know exactly what we said. And I want all of us to leave here this morning knowing this. God hears you. He is infinitely, intricately, and intimately aware of your situation. He hears you. So Genesis 21, we're starting in verse 1. If you're with me, say word. All right, here we go. I'm, I'm not going to tell you my, my favorite verse yet, okay? I want the drama and the tension to build, but I promise that you'll know it when we get there, okay? You'll know it when it comes. So here we go, verse 1. Let's get into it. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had, pro- as he had promised. All right, pause right there. Um, because I think there's a temptation on our part for us just to breeze right on by this verse, but, but look at what it's just said. It says, the Lord visited Sarah, and he did just as he had promised. Well, what had God promised? And you see, this is why it's good for us to be readers of the word, because if we don't know what's been going on in Genesis, then we're going to miss the miraculous taking place here. And and so, so here's the plan. All right, here's the plan, guys. I'm, I'm going to give you a brief summary through Genesis here real quick. We're going to walk through the majority of this passage in, in Genesis 21, and then I'm going to hit you with a couple profound truths at the end. Are we good with that? Y'all ready? All right, let's, get, let's do it. So, so go back. You don't have to turn there, but just think back. Genesis 12, all right? Genesis 12, God promises to Abraham that he will make him into a great nation. And Abraham is 75 years old when God gives him this promise. His wife, Sarah, or Sarai at the time, is 65 years old, and she's barren. That is, she is unable to have children, has been barren her entire life. She's 65 years old. All right, fast forward, Genesis 15, Abraham had started to doubt God, thinking maybe God meant that one of his servants would become his heir. That was kind of a cultural tradition, one of your servants could raise up to become your heir if you couldn't have a child, and he thought, well, God, maybe you're just going gonna to perform your promise this way, one of my servants will be my heir. When God says in Genesis 15, no, Abraham, your heir will be your own son from your own body. All right, Genesis 16, Abraham and Sarah again doubted whether God could do this thing. So they knew God promised the son would come from Abraham. But there was no guarantee it was going to be through Sarah. They knew it would be from Abraham's body, but they didn't know it was going to come from Sarah's. And she hadn't had a whole lot of luck. And so Sarah has the idea of offering up her servant, Hagar, another cultural tradition. If you couldn't have children, you could have a surrogate. One of your servants could have a child for you. That could be your heir. And so she offers her servant, Hagar, to Abraham. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar, and she gives birth to his son, Ishmael. And at this point, Abraham is now 86 years old. It's been 11 years since God made his promise. And so for the next 13 years, Abraham raises Ishmael as his son and his heir. Genesis 17, God appears to Abraham and repeats the same promise from Genesis 12. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation, but it's not going to happen through your son Ishmael. But I'm going to give you a son through you and specifically now through your wife, Sarah. And guess what? His name will be Isaac. And at this point, Abraham is now 99 years old when God makes this promise. Genesis 18, God tells Abraham again, not only is this child coming through you and Sarah, but he will come now within the next year. Right? Within one year, this is going to take place. Notice the, perfect, the progression of how God has revealed this promise to Abraham and Sarah. Right? He said, first, I'm going to make you a great nation. Second, I'm going to make it through your son. Third, it will be your son through Sarah. Fourth, his name will be Isaac. Fifth, it's going to be in the next year. Slowly, God has peeled back the layers of uncertainty surrounding his promise and repeatedly clarified it, which brings us to Genesis 21. Verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. You see, now it's been 25 years since God's promise in Genesis 12. Abraham is now 100. Sarah is 90. But But God did what he had promised. And Sarah gave birth to their son, Isaac. And interesting enough Isaac means laughter in Genesis 18 Sarah had overheard God talking to Abraham telling her telling him that this child was going to come the next year and she laughed and so God named their son laughter but can you imagine now the joy and the laughter that Abraham and Sarah are experiencing right now I mean, uh, can you put yourself in their shoes? Can can you put yourself next to them? Um, My wife Emily and I, we've we've now had three children, and I know the excitement and the joy that comes after waiting nine long months when you finally get to hold that precious baby in your arms. But Sarah hasn't waited nine months. God made the promise 25 years ago, and she was 65 when that happened. Do, Do you not think that she didn't long for a child way before that promise ever came? Right, she likely desired to be a mother uh, for when she was just a little girl. So this is really this is a this is something that's been likely eighty years in the waiting, and finally, finally, she gets to hold her baby boy. I mean, can you just imagine the joy of being with her in that moment? Verse eight, and the child groom was weaned. Weaned is when the mother would have stopped nursing the child, so typically the child now would be about two to three years old. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. So again, Abraham, when, to celebrate this time, he's throwing a big party for his son. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, laughing. So Sarah, Sarah she saw who? the son of Hagar, whom she had born to Abraham. So, so who is she talking about? Ishmael. And what was he doing? Laughing. Now you might be tempted to think, oh, what's wrong with that? Isaac means laughter. We're at his party. What's wrong with Ishmael? to be doing a little laughing. But this Hebrew word for laughing is a different kind. It's actually a, a more fitting word would be mocking. It's a jeering, sneering laughter. It's what the Philistines did to Samson after they'd captured him and chained him up. So Ishmael, uh, what is he? He's a punk teenager, and he said something snarky at a party. But Sarah, she's not happy about it. Verse 10, so she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. I mean, whew, Sarah's ticked. right? She wants Hagar and Ishmael gone. She won't, she won't even say their names. But, but what's the problem? right? The problem is Ishmael is not just Hagar's son, but he's Abraham's son. And Abraham's been raising him as his son for the past 15 years, um, and, and now his wife wants to kick him out, right, to, to abandon him. And Abraham's like, no way, right, no way. Verse 12, but God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. Now, men, listen. Uh, this is God saying, listen to your wives, Okay. All right, it's biblical, but he says, he goes on, he says, "'For through Isaac shall your offspring be named, "'and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, "'because he is your offspring.'" So here's the truth, is Sarah might be mad. She might be angry. She might be jealous. She might be crazy, all kinds of things, but God said she's not wrong. My blessing for you, my promise for you, will come through Isaac, Let there not be any confusion on who your heir is, but don't worry, Abraham, because Ishmael is also your son, I'm going to give you a double blessing, and I will make him into a great nation too. Verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and the skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Beersheba. Now, you know, I'm certain um, that Abraham, he would have thought that God was going to be on his side, right? Surely, I'm going to win this one argument. Surely, God wouldn't tell me to send my son away, but God said, I have a different plan. So Abraham obeys. He wakes up early like anyone else would um, b- before anyone else was awake likely um, and he grabs a single skin of water a loaf of bread and he puts them in a sack he throws it over Hagar's shoulder and then he sends them off her and Ishmael into the wilderness now so far we, we've talked a lot about Abraham and Sarah but I want this morning to focus our attention on a different person now their servant Hagar You see, we we know that Hagar was an Egyptian woman and that Sarah and Abraham likely received her as a servant, um, as a gift from Pharaoh. Once Pharaoh realized that Sarah was actually already married, that's a story for another day, um, but Sarah receives Hagar as her servant and then takes her uh, away from her homeland to travel in the desert. And then Sarah, not Hagar, has the idea for Abraham to have a child through her. And so Genesis 16, 4, it says, And when she saw that she had conceived, this is Hagar speaking, When she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So Hagar gets pregnant by Abraham, and now she begins to get prideful about it. And she looks at Sarah and says, I did what you couldn't. And so Sarah gets mad at Abraham now in Genesis 16 because of how Hagar is acting towards her. And, and, and I'm telling you guys, Genesis 16, the whole, the whole Bible's crazy. Read your Bible. Go back and read Genesis 16. But it's basically Old Testament Jerry Springer, right? The the, the reality TV of today just copied that template. So Hagar is throwing shade at Sarah. Uh, Sarah is mad at Abraham. And Abraham's just like, what? I, I just did what you told me to. And, and and, and, and so listen, Hagar. Uh, he he says to Sarah, Hagar is your servant. She's your servant, so you handle this. You treat her. You do whatever you need to do. So Genesis sixteen six. Then Sarah Sarai dealt harshly with her. That's Hagar, and she fled from her. So again, Hagar is likely a young woman. She's pregnant. Um, And now her mistress, Sarah, the mastermind behind her current circumstances, is mad at her, and I'm not sure what dealt harshly with implies, but it doesn't sound good, and it's enough to make this young pregnant woman run away into the wilderness. And she doesn't know what's in the desert, likely death, but for her it was better than to stay with Sarah. Sarah. And so Hagar runs away, and she finds the spring of water in the desert. And it's there at the spring of water that God comes to Hagar, and he says to her, what are you doing? And Hagar says, God, I'm I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. And God tells her, go back, return to your mistress, and submit to her. That's a tough word. Really, God? Really? You, You want me to go back to that you want me to go back to, to, to her, to the very thing that I'm running away from? Yes. But he also gives her a promise to cling to. Genesis sixteen ten. He says, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And God says here, a promise, he, 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 he says, go back, but here's a promise to hold on to. You will have a son. In fact, you're going to have many children, and his name will be Ishmael. And so in response, Hagar says in verse 13, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. And she, she names God here. She says, you are Elroy, the God who sees me. And then she returns to Sarah and Abraham, and she gives birth to Ishmael. Now, we fast forward 15 years to Genesis 21, and obviously Sarah's still got some beef with Hagar. Hagar. She's not forgotten what happened when Hagar conceived. She still remembers the pride and the contempt that Hagar regarded her with when she did what Sarah could not. But now Sarah has conceived a child. And she sees Ishmael, the living, breathing reminder of her own doubt in God's promise. The constant reminder of Hagar and Abraham's union. The son of the servant who treated her with contempt. And what is he doing Mocking people at her child's party. And so all of those things probably boiled up in Sarah, and she said, no more. I want them gone. And Abraham sends Hagar and Ishmael off into the wilderness. And that was a lot we gathered there, but here's why I want to start bringing some of this together. The first truth I want you to see here is this. God is not surprised by your crisis. God is not surprised by your crisis. God was not surprised by Hagar's crisis. In fact, he was the driving force behind it. Right, Abraham didn't want to send them away, but God told him to. And what's interesting is that though God told Abraham Hagar and Ishmael had to be sent away, God didn't tell Hagar and Ishmael that. You see, they woke up one morning early And they're out of the blue, no warning, no preparation, abandoned and cast out into the desert. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's how you feel. And here's the thing, nobody plans for a crisis, but they hit you nonetheless. Maybe you're in the midst of a circumstance right now that you didn't plan for, that you never would have expected, right? You got that diagnosis. You didn't get that job. You received that phone call. Crisis comes quickly, it hits hard, it leaves a mark. But don't mistake your unawareness for God's unpreparedness. The Bible is full of people in crisis. Joseph didn't know the plan when his brothers sold him into slavery, but God did. Job didn't know what was happening when in one single day his entire life fell apart, but God did. Jonah didn't know what was going on with the whale, God did. God called David king when there was already a king on the throne, and David didn't know how that was going to work out. God did. Over and over again throughout the Bible, the testimony of God is clear. He is not surprised by your crisis, and he may even be responsible for it. But secondly, and here's what we're getting into the good stuff here, he's not surprised by your crisis, but also... God is not distant in your desperation. Look at verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she, that's Hagar, put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And this is, y'all, this is where I like to use a little bit of inspired imagination, which I find especially appropriate whenever we encounter narrative passages in the Bible. And that's where we're at this morning. This is the narrative, the story of what happened to Hagar and Ishmael. And so I'm inviting you all to imagine with me for a moment that you're Hagar. So let, let's, let's set the scene, okay? You're, you're a single mom who has just been abandoned in the wilderness with your teenage son, you had some water, but it's long gone now. The loaf of bread's likely gone too. And even if you had the bread, your mouth is probably too dry to chew it. And the sun, it's, it's relentless. It's, it's continually beating down on your head. And you're sweaty, or at least you were, but now you're not sweaty anymore. Even the sweat's gone. Your 15-year-old son, uh, who this morning, just this morning, he was vibrant and full of life, He he was maybe confused and concerned, but vigorous nonetheless, he's now exhausted. You look at your son and his his head droops, his feet drag, his shoulders slump. He he keeps falling down and and you you struggle to pull him back upright and and finally he falls and he says to you, I can't can't get up anymore. And so you pick him up. You're not sure how, but you pick him up when you start to carry him. And you start to feel just how, how frail he's become and, and, and to feel his, his body shaking from dehydration and, and he's mumbling something that you can't quite hear. So you lean in and, and what's he saying? Water. Water. Just over and over again. Water, mom. I, I need water. And you know he needs water. You need water. But you don't have any. And the skin is bone dry, and you're walking through the desert, and and, and he's dying. Well, what what am I going to do? What can I do? And then it hits you. Despair. There's nothing you can do. And his cries are getting feebler, and your arms are getting weaker. And deep down, you know this story only ends one way. You can see what's going to happen before it does, and you know he's going to die. So you lay him down beneath the bushes. And you turn away. You can hear his cries, but you keep walking. You can't watch him die. So you walk and you walk until you can't hear him anymore. And then you sit down in the dust and weep. Can you sense Hagar's desperation? I mean, just imagine her, her helplessness and her frustration at her inability to provide and take care of her son. As a parent, she doesn't want anything to happen to her to her son. She she, she 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 wants to help him, but there's nothing. Nothing she can do. And so she walks away from him, she falls down, and she lifts up her voice and she weeps. What did she shout into the void? what would you shout? God, why? Why is this happening, God? Take, take me. Take me. Save the boy. Do you think she remembered God's promise from Genesis 16? Like, like, like God, you, you promised me. You were faithful to Sarah and Abraham. What about me? right? Was, was this your plan? Elroy, the God who sees me, are you even there? Are you even listening? Where are you? But verse 17. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Man, I love that verse. Like a blinding light in the darkness, God's voice silences all others. Like the lions roar across the savannah, nothing else dared to speak. Why? Because God Almighty called down from glory. Yes, even seated upon his heavenly throne. He looked at Hagar and said, you're not alone. She might have been lost in the wilderness, full of bitterness, but God met her with tenderness. And he said, Hagar, what's wrong? What troubles you? Don't be afraid. What's wrong, God? What's wrong, God? I've been deserted in the desert. I've been abandoned and forsaken. I'm I'm suffering from deprivation and dehydration and condemnation. And for your information, my son is lying under a bush there, and he's dying. Why? Why, God? Why shouldn't I be afraid? Because God has heard. And when God enters the scene, everything changes. When God shows up, you don't just get a little bit of God, but you get all of God. And he says, what's wrong, Hagar? Why are you afraid? Have you forgotten that what's impossible for man is possible with God? Have you forgotten who I am? I am the causation of creation, the one who holds all things in formation. I gave you the breath of life. I carved the mountains with the knife. I knitted you in your mother's womb, even as I saw all of your days leading to your tomb. From before the dawn of time, this moment has been fixed in my mind. Oh, Hagar, don't you know who I am? I clamped the mouth of lions. I give commandments to the sea. I shattered the walls of Jericho. No obstacles too big for me. I am giant slayer, rain delayer, debt payer. In times of fear... I sing over you through the night. In times of turmoil, I surround you with shouts of deliverance in the fight. I am he who neither sleeps nor slumbers. I am the beginning and the end. I am Yahweh, God Almighty, whose thoughts you cannot comprehend. I am the faithful one who keeps his promises. I am Elroy, the God who sees you. I am Elohi Mikarav, the God who is near you. I am El Shema, the God who hears you. Don't be afraid, Hagar. Why? Because the God who hears has heard. And I didn't just hear you, Hagar. No. I heard the boy. Even where he is beneath the bushes, I heard him. Even, even when his cries were weak and feeble, I heard him. Even when you removed yourself from his side, so that you could not hear him, I heard him. So verse 18, up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. God says, Hagar, get up, get up, up, there's work to do. Go to the boy, grab him, hold him fast. Why? Because I have plans for him. And what was the boy's name? Do you all remember? Someone tell me, what was his name? You all know what Ishmael means? It means God hears. And what I want you guys to hear today is that the same God who called out to Hagar from heaven is calling out to you in the midst of your fear, your desperation, your despair, your jacked up circumstance. God is saying, "I see you, I hear you, and I'm near you." And maybe you're going, "What if I didn't get my deliverance?" Right. What if things didn't work out for me like Hagar? A dear friend of mine, his, his daughter was born with special needs, and he said, this wasn't my plan for my princess. What if the happy ending never came? I need you to hear the same God still calls to you and listen to what he says about you. Psalm 34, 18, I am near the brokenhearted. Luke 12, 7, I know the hairs on your head. Psalm 139, my thoughts of you are more than the sand by the sea. Psalm 56, 8, I have seen every tear that falls. Hebrews 4, I am your great high priest. I can empathize and sympathize with your pain. I know this sucks. I know this hurts, but I have never left you. Hebrews 13, 5 and I never will. Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always. Psalm 23, 4, even through the valley of the shadow of death and I am bringing on a day when Revelations 21, tears will be no more death will be no more, mourning will be no more, pain will be no more and all things will be made new, I see you, I hear you and I am near you I am not distant in your desperation lastly church not only is God not distant in your desperation but God is not unprepared for your future. Look at verse 19. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink and God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. You see, God opens Hagar's eyes. And what does she see? A well. Water. Well, well, guess what? God wasn't a genie. He didn't just presto that well into existence. That well was always there, but Hagar was blinded by her circumstance. She couldn't see that God had already provided the solution to her problem before her problem ever presented itself. God knew what she would need, and he was leading her to it for when she would need it. And What we need to know this morning is that God is not unprepared for your future. Even when you can't see the way out, even when you don't know what's up ahead, He's already provided the solution to your problem. He knows just what you need and when you'll need it. We just have to open our eyes and trust Him. You know, we've got, a, we've got three kids now, Canaan, uh, Shepard, and Delaney. And our middle child, Shepard, he just turned three. Um, but about six to seven months ago, Shepard, um, he, he started having these night terrors where, where all of a sudden in the middle of the night he would just start screaming and crying and so I'd rush into his room and he's just screaming I mean he, he's incoherent, he's inconsolable so I'd just sit next to him and I'd hold him, I'm telling him shh, shh it's okay, you're safe daddy's here I'm, I'm with you and I would just just hold him and repeatedly tell him that. And the whole time he's screaming and his eyes, he's just squinting them shut. Or just, he's, he, he won't, he's just squinting them shut. But after a little while, his eyes open up and he actually sees me. And immediately, it is the instant removal of fear, it is instant relief. And he lays down closes his eyes and goes back to sleep and I think that's how it is with us and God sometimes we're yelling and screaming and the whole time our eyes are just slammed shut and God is saying open your eyes I'm right here with you maybe you're stuck right now And you don't see the way forward. You don't know how to get out of this dark pit that you're in. Maybe you need God to open your eyes like he did Hagar's. He is not surprised by your crisis. He is not distant in your desperation. And he is not unprepared for your future. Ask him to open your eyes. Ask him to show you the next step. Trust him. He loves you. He sees you. He's near you he hears you. I want to invite you guys as we stand and sing this last song. I don't know how God has worked in your heart, but I just pray and ask, would you respond to whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to? I pray that you would find peace and rest in our Savior. Let me pray for you now. God, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray that we've been faithful to it pray that you would meet us now in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you move about? Would you comfort? Would you heal? Would you restore? Would you open eyes and show the way forward? We trust you, God. We know that you're, we know that you hear us. We know that you're near us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Stand with us. Let's sing. Let's celebrate these great truths. i difficult, trying circumstances, knowing that our God, the creator works these things out for the good of those that love him, for his glory. God, we love you. We thank you for these deep, rich truths in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week.